Oh dear God, use me today as a means to many mercy and your peace. Allow me to help someone in this room tonight. And God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. My name is Noah Warren and I'm an alcoholic. I'm a member of the Newburgh Group in Cleveland, Ohio, and I want to congratulate you people on this fine uh, gathering that you got here today, and I want to thank you for asking me to be here. I, 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 I've heard some wonderful speakers, and I've met some wonderful people, and, uh, and it's been lovely. I, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that if, if I would have been sober three months or even three years, I wouldn't have got up and said, I'm new. I lied. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, because the fear was so great and, and the pride was so tremendous and, 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 and I know you'd have taken advantage of me because I didn't know what was going on. Uh, so I would have lied. And that pride and that fear are, are two of the things that kept me captive long after I was freed from alcohol. Possibly one of the most important things I can tell you about my drinking, and, and I believe it is the most important thing, is that if I, if I had the power to stop drinking on my own, I'd have never come to, I'd have never come to Alcoholics Anonymous. That's simple. Why would I come to some place that's going to teach me to stop drinking if I can stop drinking on my own? I am powerless over alcohol. I, I, uh, I really, I'm a drunk. <laughs> I made a decision to stop drinking in January the 15th of 1970. The fact that I made that decision in the city jail had nothing to do with the decision. <laughs> if there's anything I can tell you about jail, it's I jailed well. I, I did good in jail. I never missed a meal. <laughs> never missed a meal. <laughs> so if it wasn't jail that prompted me to stop drinking, and it wasn't, and, and believe me, it wasn't hot that stopped me from drinking, although I went to a lot of them too. And it wasn't beaten because I took a lot of them. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> the fact is that I had lost control of my life. And I knew, I, oh no, I admit that I lost control of my life long before January the 15th. I, I just didn't know it. <laughs> I didn't know how to control my life was. I, I, I liked to drink, and I really did, and I dedicated everything to that. I, I didn't waste my youth on growing up. I, I, I didn't bother with jobs. I, 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 uh, I don't think I bought anything worth over 50 bucks in my life at that time. And, uh, and, and, uh, 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 so, so, so when I say that I like to drink, some of my best drinking was on benders. I like to get off on drunks, uh, some of them months long. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I was on one of these drunks at the end of 69 somewhere, or November maybe, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and things happened so quickly that I couldn't control them really. I, I lost the ability to, uh, to, uh, to sleep at night. I would drink 16 or 18 or 20 hours and then lay down and I, and I, and I would wake up and I would be sweating and shaking and I didn't understand that. 
And that's the progression of alcoholism. It progressively got worse for me. I, I would uh, I would not eat a meal, and uh, and 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 that's unusual for me. I would uh, I would uh, hit the bar rooms, and 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 after a few weeks, I was drunk. All I could eat was smokies and chips, and I would put some ketchup on that, and that was a breakfast of champions. I you know I had it all figured out. And uh, and I lost the ability to change my clothes. Now now what I mean is that I had clothes to change into. It's just that I would get home at 2:30 or 3 o'clock in the morning and lay down with my clothes on, planning to change my clothes in the morning. And I already told you I'm up, I'm down, I'm sweating profusely, and I and I and I and I would just at 5:30 when the bars opened up, rush out the door to get a drink, and and and, and that went on for quite some time. And I lost the ability to take a bath. Now I had a tub. <laughs> I just couldn't get into it, you know, and, and, and uh, I, I was a drunk and what I'm telling you is I needed a drink more than I needed a bath. I was a drunk and I needed a drink more than I needed to change my clothes. I mean the, the need for a drink was greater than my personal hygiene and my uh, than my ability to sleep. I mean I lost it all. I really gave it all up and I seen it. See, I seen it happening. I, I would go weeks without changing my clothes and and, 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 and you didn't have to ask who it was. I, I knew who it was. I, I knew and I couldn't stop that. I, I, I was confused a lot. I, I, I didn't drink and black out. I would drink and get confused. I drank until I was like a sponge. I, I, I couldn't get any more in me. It would run out of my pores. And I would smell myself and I, and I would lose track of what I was doing. I'd be standing there talking with a couple of guys and they'd be holding the conversation and the guy said, well, what do you think? Well, I had the answer to that question. I, I knew the answer to that. I, I, I had an opinion on that and I just, I just couldn't get it out, you know. And, and I would organize my thoughts and I would bring it all in and I would work the answer out. <laughs> Every 15 minutes later, there are three topics away from what I'm talking about over here. And I said, hey, get up and leave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I would uh, I would be standing there and I would I would look down at the bathroom and I would know I would have to go to the bathroom and I would lose track of that thought and 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 I would uh, just look down and I had wet my pants and uh and uh, and and this is not how I had been drinking for years. This is how the drinking had progressed. And I already told you I wasn't taking a bath, and I already told you I wasn't changing clothes, and, I, and I'm held in the grips of alcoholism, and I don't know what to do. I, I have on, on more than one occasion on this drunk uh, tipped my whiskey glass over and walked out the door and said, that's it, you know, that's it. Now, uh, now, now uh, this argument that I'm having is with me. <laughs> There's no one else to discuss with, and uh, so I'm holding this conversation verbally with myself and I walk out the door and then I, like, I would walk back in because there was nothing I could do but drink. But in the front of my mind, I knew that when I got off the drunk, I, I would not drink no more. In the front of my mind. Now, I knew that I couldn't just like get off the drunk. I was done drinking when I was done drinking. It wasn't a matter of my own circumstances. It was a matter of external circumstances. I, 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 I never drank intelligently, I, I, I tell you honestly, if, if I could have drank 500 gallons of whiskey a day, I would have drank 500 gallons of whiskey a day. I, I, I drank to capacity. I drank to capacity. I, I, uh, 
I never drank more on Saturday than I did on New Year's Eve. I, I always, he might have bought more on New Year's Eve, but I always drank to capacity. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, at the end of this book that I'm talking to you about, uh, I, I, uh, they, they did me a favor, really. They picked me up and they put me in this cell, in, uh, in the felony tank instead of the drunk tank. And they refused to charge me. They didn't know if the guy was going to live or die. They didn't know what was going to happen. They just held me on a, a suspicion charge for three days. They put me in this cell and, I, and without whiskey for three days. And in three days, I dried out. Oh, I'll give you this. <laughs> I come off hard. <laughs> I always come off hard, but uh, <laughs> uh, they were mad at me. <laughs> They didn't, uh, they didn't bring me a bologna sandwich and a cup of coffee for breakfast and they didn't bring me, uh, they didn't bring me, uh, 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 a salami sandwich with a little cheese for lunch and a cup of coffee and they didn't bring me nothing for supper and, uh, for three days I, I didn't eat and I, for three days I was in a cell and, uh, and I come off with this horrendous drunk and there was nothing in the cell but, uh, but, uh, still caught in a down bowl. And, and I had the heaves and the runs and the dry heaves, just like every other drunk I got off of, and, uh, and hot pipes and that, and I had to kneel down and drink from the toilet I had, I had just gone in. And, and I'll tell you, if there's anything that just really cements it in my mind as I'm sitting in this cell and I'm shaking and I'm coming apart, is that this will never happen to me again. Will never happen to me again. I drew up a plan in there. I had gotten my will back from the bottle. I had gotten it back. I had control of my life now. When I knew that, I felt it. I felt that I was over the drunk. You just intuitively know these things. When the drunk is over, you know it's over. And I got off the drunk and I threw up this little plan of uh, sobriety here and uh, because I knew I was never going to drink again and I was going to have to make a few adjustments in my life. And, uh, and, I, and, and, I, and I looked around to see what I should do and I just knew, I just knew that I should get a job and go to work every day. Now that's two different things. Getting a job and going to work every day are two, two different things. Uh, <laughs> a lot of jobs, I, I can go to work every day. I, 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 I see no sense in working five days if I only needed a three-day pay. If, uh, if I ran a little short, well, <laughs> I'd just steal your coat off. I was going to get a job and go, I look at these guys that I hung around with, you know, I'm sitting in this cell and, 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 and I look at these guys I hung around with and I said to myself, you know, these guys got married and, and they quit this drinking. You know, they quit this drinking. My mom always used to say, find a nice girl and settle down. <laughs> now they're all in the A, you figured out that. So I, 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 I uh, uh, these guys would get married and they would get kids and houses and cars and educations and I felt that that was what I needed. Uh, uh, was to, uh, uh, get some responsibility. Now, that's a joke. I couldn't take care of a gerbil. Uh, how could I possibly take care of a relationship? <laughs> I'm not sure I can take care of a gerbil today. <laughs> 
so uh, so I, I I I felt that this is what I needed, and 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 uh, I and and now I had a Polak neighbor, and and that guy used to go bowling four or five times a week, and and uh, and the cops was never at his house, and they were always coming to my house, and and I never seen his refrigerator fall through his kitchen window, and and mine did, and and I never seen him throw his couch out his living room window, and and, and I did, and uh, uh, so I felt I would go bowling. Uh, <laughs> now the only reason I tell you this story is because I, I hated bowling as, uh, as much as I hated work. <laughs> but uh, but I, I have proven to myself that I have a sincere desire to stay sober. I have proven to myself that I have a willingness to do things I don't like to do in order to stay sober. Oh, I'll give you this, that those are stupid things now, but that was the extent of my mental capacity. I had underestimated the enemy. I had no idea what I had. And I tell you honestly, as I look back, I, I think that that program would have been okay. I think it would have been okay. There, there is one problem with that program, and it's a big problem, and that is I was the power. It was the I Stay So program. Now, I don't know if I thought I had ingrown toenail or, or what. I don't know what I thought I had, but I certainly didn't know I had alcoholism and I underestimated the enemy. I, I really had no idea. I, 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 it would always been, I said so. And that's all it needed to be said was, I said so. And, and, and this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says, we must quit playing God. Makes sense to me. If I was powerful enough, why would I just depend on God? If I had enough strength, why would I? Why, why would a guy like me hang around with a bunch of guys like you? Why would I? There ain't no reason in the world. This is a cultural exchange here, as far as I'm concerned. I have no way in the world I would. Uh, <laughs> but I need you. <laughs> I'm dumb, but I ain't stupid. I know I need you. So you got the idea. I mean, you got the idea that I've got a, a plan. I, I got a whole deal, and it's going to work, and I know it's going to work because I said so. I walked out of that cell, and I followed through with that plan that I just told you about. I went on, I got a job, and, and I went to work every day, and I got the responsibilities, and, and I bought a Bolmo. Actually, I, I stole the Bolmo. And if that program would have worked, I, I wouldn't be here today. There would be no reason for me to be here today. I, 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 and you know, you, you laugh when you say those things, but really, how many times have you walked into a meeting and they sign you up for an AA dance? Or an AA golf league? Or an AA uh, uh, whatever it is? I don't know. I read that book and I don't see that in there. Those are nice things, and, and, and I'm not saying they're not. I'm saying that that book gives me 12 steps of recovery. Recovery. Recovery from the fear. Recovery from the pride. That are going to take me back to drinking. Okay, so I walk out and I put this program into action. I attack this world. I attack alcoholism. Oh, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. That I was like the tiger in the cage. Did you ever see ever see a tiger in the cage? That 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 guy walks like this. This this is not a happy animal. 
Nazi. The book says we are restless, irritable, and awfully upset until we can once again experience that euphoria of the first drink. Let me assure you, I was restless, irritable, and really upset. Really. I had no idea how to live sober. <laughs> I, was, I was trapped. I spent all my life. Who would think I would live to be 30? I wasn't prepared. <laughs> well, I was 24 and I was ready to check out. I, I live fast, die young, and all of that stuff. Hell, I, 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 uh, now that I'm sober, I'm lost in this sober world and everything is wrong. Nothing is right because I don't know how to live. I really don't know how to live. And then I'm lost inside this. And, and, and no matter what, this is better than wetting my pants. Now, that's what I tell you. If, if being restless, irritable, and discontented is what I got to settle for in sobriety, then I'll take that because that's better than drinking my own puke out of a toilet bowl. If that's all that sobriety has to offer me, I'll take it. And I tell you honestly, if that's all you got in this room tonight, you're cheating yourself. Because Alcoholics Anonymous has given me the ability to live my life in peace. To live my life in happiness and joy. And if all I settle for is sobriety, I'm cheating myself. Pure unadulterated sobriety will do this to you. <laughs> Make the drink again. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm not saying that because you told me that. I'm not saying that because that's in the book, and it is, and you did. I'm telling you that because I did. I drank again. I drank again for one reason and one reason only. I was an alcoholic, and I was doing absolutely nothing at all about my alcoholism. I was doing something about my finances. I was doing something about my relationships. I was doing something about my recreation, and I wasn't doing anything at all about the worst problem I had, alcoholism. That's why I put a tuxedo in a pig. You dressed me up. I got cleaned up and dressed up and washed up, and I haven't changed anything on the inside. Nothing. Nothing. The end result's already told you is I had to get drunk. I had a sincere desire to stay sober. I had a willingness to do anything that was needed to do. I just didn't know what to do, and I didn't know where to go because I didn't know what I had. I got in the car with a couple of guys. They said, you want a beer? <laughs> Well, I never gave it a thought. I didn't think to myself, well, I, I shouldn't take this drink. I never thought I can drink now. I ain't had a drink in a month. It never crossed my mind. There are times when I have no mental defense against the first drink. There are times, no, I don't need the book to tell me that. Oh, the book tells me that. And I don't need you to tell me that, although you have told me that. I learned it everything. It's just like I learned everything. I learned it the hard way. I drank. Guy said, you want a beer? And I took the beer. I take a drink, the drink takes a drink, and a drink takes a man. I take the drink, and I have absolutely no say-so over what I'm going to do next. I have lost control of my life. I have once again taken my will and turned it over to the care of alcohol. Alcoholics Anonymous has given me a step and says, take this will, this freedom from the drink, while you have it, and give it to God. That's what the book says. Because on my own, I'm going to waste my will. I'm going to squander it. I'm going to throw it away, and I'm going to give it back to alcoholism. The third step of Alcoholics Anonymous tells me what to do with the will. To give it to God and he'll take care of me. 
You see, you and I, you and I can walk into any basement and pull a drunk out. You and I can walk into any gutter in, 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 in Ventura or Los Angeles or Cleveland. You and I can walk in any gutter and, and pull the drunk out, put him in the treatment center, take him to whatever we want to do, whatever we want to do, you and I can do that. But only God can reach back in the neck of a jug of whiskey and bring the wheel out and give it back to us. Only God can do that. And he does that continuously. What we do with it is our business, isn't it? What we do with it. Me, no idea about God. I had no idea there was the power. I was the power. You see, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous says, be convinced of three pertinent ideas. A, that we are alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Got that part. I got that. I ain't got no trouble with that. B, that no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Come on. Come on. You talk about human power, you're talking about me. If I can't do it, who can? I'm the baddest, I'm the baddest guy I know. <laughs> Being convinced, it says. <laughs> this he has the way of convincing a guy like me. Let me assure you that. Okay, so now I drink again. I drink again, and I'll tell you what happens to me. I'll tell you what happens to me. When I take a drink, something happens to me that doesn't happen to the rest of the world, and that something is the thing that separates you and I from them called the phenomenon of craving. See, they don't experience that. You've heard it from this podium many, many, many times tonight, this weekend. They sip the drink. It makes me sick. It makes me crazy. They sip the drink. They put the drink down because they don't have the phenomenon of craving. You give me a drink, and I have no say-so over what happens to me. There's something happens in me that I need to drink some more, no matter what the expense, no matter how much strength or force or will that I have. You give me a drink, and I am powerless, powerless over alcohol. So I don't have to deal today, and haven't had for some years, with that horrifying phenomenon of craving. I don't have to even give it a thought, because that phenomenon of craving cannot take place in my life unless I take the first drink. It's, it's the root of the problem. The problem is not the phenomenon of craving. The root, of course, is the first drink. Don't take the first drink. One of the popular things that used to be did when I was sober and up was, it's the tray, it's the engine that kills you, not the caboose. It's the first one. I what the, what are they talking about? I, I don't get it, you know? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk up like one of these guys. I'd sit in the back and say, I look like one of them little dogs you see in the back of a window of a car. My head would be not like this, and no, like one of these balloons, just full of hot air, just you're not making, not getting anything, not getting anything. Okay, now I got off of that drunk, and I was sick, and I had hurt someone as usual. I was sick, and and, and all of the stuff that went with it was really nothing new. If there was anything new, it was absolute shock and surprise that I drank again, because I said I would never do that. Just shocked. I couldn't believe it. I was, there was no one more surprised than me that I drank. I mean, I was just shocked. I couldn't believe it. Hell, I made promises. I got a job. You hire me, I'll show up. You're, yeah. Yeah, and the guy took a chance. I have broken many hearts. 
I have betrayed many trusts, and not because I was a rotten guy, although I was, but because I was an alcoholic. I've done things I didn't want to do many times, hurt people that I wanted to hurt many times, many times told lies I just wanted to tell. But I'm dealing with alcoholism now in the progressed stages, and I'm doing things I don't want to do, lying when I don't mean to lie, I meant it when I said it. Certainly wouldn't hurt his soul. So I got off of his junk, and I, and I knew that that game plan didn't work, so I'm going to draw up a new game plan, because I knew this for sure, that if I hadn't gotten in the car with them guys, I wouldn't have drank, so it's their fault. So I'm not going to hang around with them guys no more. Now that <laughs> is a good decision. They was not nice guys, first of all. And my mom told me when I was 14 years old, she said, Melly, don't hang around with them guys because they're going to get you in trouble. Now my mom had a rare form of honesty, don't you know, because by the time I was 17, she was telling them guys, don't you hang around with my Melly. He's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> didn't stop her from loving me, but she knew the truth, huh? Okay. I'm not going to, I'm 24 years old now, I'm going to finally do what my mom wants me to do. I'm not going to hang around with them guys. Now, that is a good decision if it wasn't for one small factor, and the factor is this. I was vulgar, foul-mouthed, abusive, abrasive, and the cheap chisel and mooch. I had no respect for you, for your family, your personal property, and that does not endear me to others. <laughs> I had eliminated 99% of the people I've ever met in my life for those attributes that I just described to you. Consequently, I'm left with a small handful of friends, and, and believe me, they were the best friends a guy like me could have at that time. They really were. And I'm going to let them go now. The only friends that I got, not, not because I'm mad at them, but because I have a sincere desire to stay sober and a willingness to do anything I have to do in order to stay sober. And if I think my drinking is their fault, they're gone. They're gone. Now I want to talk to you for just a minute about lonely. See, lonely is the funny thing. See, I know a lot about being alone. There's not ever one joint, one penitentiary, one workhouse, one lockup that I've ever been into that I didn't go to the hole. Not one. I always got in trouble while I was in trouble. I, I, I was just what I did best, I suppose. And, 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 and consequently, and I, and I always went hard. I, <laughs> it stripped me naked because they wanted to punish me. And it put me on the outside wall, which is the cold wall. And you know all of this stuff. And I have gone many, on more than one occasion, not many, but on more than one occasion, for weeks at a time without not talking to another human being without physically seeing another human being. I've gone weeks at a time with the only voice you hear are the ones that echo down the hall. So when I tell you really about loneliness, it's not that kind, because I did that okay. I'm talking about walking in the Tremend Lounge where there's 75 or 80 people in the room. I know 50 of them. I went to school since elementary school with 40 of them, and I couldn't talk to any of them. I couldn't bring myself to communicate with any of them. I couldn't express to them how I felt. I couldn't, I couldn't tell them that I'm battling this whiskey. I can't stop drinking. Things are going on. I don't know what to do. I, could you get, could we talk? I just 
couldn't do that. I'm telling you about being alone in a room full of people. Aloneness I'd never experienced before. And they didn't know what to do about it. A fear that set into my life that I, 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 I don't know what to do with. I was always an attacker. I attacked fears. I attacked everything else. Uh, everything I felt that was worthwhile was worth attacking. And, 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 and I've got these fears that I can't attack. I'd sit on the side of my bed at 6 o'clock in the morning and I'd be rocking on the side of my bed. You know, I, I'd be so confused because I don't know what to do about this drink problem and, and, and I don't want to step out the door. I'm afraid to walk out of the door of my own house. I'm afraid. I'm, I just got fears that I can't describe to you that, that owns me. You know, they give us an inventory step and they say, let's examine our fears. What? What? Well, of course, let's examine our fears, because once I put the sunlight on the spirit, the great majority of my fears melt, like snow in the sunshine. They were unfounded and unreal, and the ones that are real will deal with. The ones that aren't real, give them up. I didn't want them, and those are the fears that held me captive. Those are the ones that own me, that prevented me from talking and communicating and serving and opening up. Those are the fears I brought into alcoholics and I'm, that's the fear and the pride that would have allowed me to walk up and say, I'm a new guy. I don't know nothing. <laughs> I, 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 Hopelessness set into my life, uh, a hopelessness I, uh, that's very difficult for me to describe. You see, I never had a lot going for me, but I always had a lot of hope. I never had a lot of money, a lot of good looks, a lot of talent, a lot of skills, a lot of anything, but I always had a lot of hope. I remember being 14 years old and I'd gather up the 8 and the 9 year olds and I'd put them on my football team and would challenge the other 14 and 15 year olds. Come on, line up, we can do it, we can do it, full of hope, loaded with hope. I remember walking in the wishing well, 21 years old, up on 79th and Broadway. A guy stopped me at the door and said, no, you don't, don't go back there. He said, 50 guys back there are going to beat the snot out of you. Man, I threw my coat off and I flew back there. You're looking for me. <laughs> and they did beat the snot out of me. <laughs> but I had hope. I had hope. Come on, let's go. We can do it. Full of hope. No brains. Just a lot of hope. Just a lot of hope. I'm 24 years old and I am hopeless. I am 24 years old and I see no light at the end of the tunnel. I'm 24 years old and I see no way to continue on. I see nothing I can do about it. I'm held in the grips of alcoholism and I don't know what's wrong with me and I can't stop the pain. I just can't stop the pain, the pain of the hopelessness and the despair. There's two kinds of drunks nobody likes. Nobody likes fighting drunks and nobody likes weeping drunks. And I spent my whole life being a fighting drunk, and now I'm a broken down, hopeless, weeping drunk. I get out of that work, I get out of that work, I'd have my time clock in my hand at 25 after 3, and I'd say to myself, I'm going to go home and do something, fix something, nail something, I hit that time clock, I run out the door, drive in that old rambler, I pull in the back of the joint and stop in and get a shooter. And I tell you, I tell you, I didn't plan it. I'm telling you, I'd be lowering that whiskey glass from my lips to the bar, and I'd know that I took that drink. I'm telling you that I took that drink without intelligently, without reason, without anything, except that I'm an alcoholic and I have no mental defense over the first drink. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be drunk today. There ain't no other way of getting out of it. No human power could have relieved our, age, our alcoholism, and I'm about to convince myself of that. 
and put the drink down, and I, and I was so sweated, and water with me, how could I do this? It just, it's almost like the big, it's really, really, when they wrote those stories in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they knew I was coming. They put my name on those pages, after page, after page, they just knew this one's from L.A., and this one's from L.A., and this one's from they knew it. They just knew it. And then I'd get so lonely and I'd get so remorseful and something said in it's the most disgusting state I hate to even talk about called self-pity. Self-pity. I walk down the tremendous and I'd be half in the bag and I'd feel so bad and nobody loves me. I'd be snotting all over the guy's sleeve and his shirt and everything. Now they know me as a fighting drunk so they ain't going to say nothing. I'd be snotting all over them and they ain't going to just sit there and take it and I wouldn't black out. I'd remember, and then remorse would set in, and I'd be ashamed of myself and, and, and humiliated, if you will. I don't think I knew what shame was. And, and I would promise myself I'm not going back. I never went on just like this, just like this. The hopelessness got greater, the despair, the hopelessness turned into a state of despair, which is an ungodly state in the first place, and, and, and I just was lost. I just was lost. You know, before my dad died, he had tremendous arthritis. I mean, they, 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 he couldn't move his hands, he couldn't walk, he couldn't anything. And they made him a promise that on October the, on October the 13th, they were going to replace all of the joints with plastic. They were going to take away the pain. And I tell you, my dad <laughs> lived for October the 13th. He just lived for that. No more pain until October. And he'd be, he'd be waiting. Everything was for that day. And I'm going to tell you the secret. Do you want to know what the secret is? For the alcoholic in the progressed stages of alcoholism, there ain't no October 13th. There ain't no day when the pain is going to go away. It's something i got to live with forever. I stood before a judge in April of May 1970. That judge pounded on that thing. He said, I find you guilty of shooting with intent to kill an hospital on my pension one twenty years. Now, I'll tell you this. By the time I got before that judge, there was nothing he could do to hurt me. There was no new pain he could inflict upon me. There was nothing he could do to hurt me that alcoholism and my own selfishness hadn't already done to me. I stood before that judge a beaten man. I stood before that judge just absolutely hopeless. And and, 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 and without even a fear of the penitentiary, oh, I've done time. I, 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 I did well. I told you that. I, I, I wasn't worried about the time. It said I, I just didn't know what to do about my drinking. And he pounded on the thing and he put the cuffs on, they dragged me out and I and I and I, and I, and and there's the long stories of other people and tears and broken hearts and promises that, that every one of us has experienced that at one stage or another. Oh you will if you continue to drink. I mean that's alcoholism. I sat in the cell and I seen the, in, the, in the county jail waiting to go down and, and I sobered up in that cell. See, the day before, the guys got together and, and, and they had a going away party for me like I was leaving for the army or, or, or college or something. I, I don't know. And, 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 uh, and I drank and, and sobered up in that cell and I sobered up with all of the guilt and all of the remorse and all of the self-pity that I've always sobered up with at the end, you know, at the end, that kind of stuff. And, 
And, and it's not unusual emotions and feelings. Is uh, 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 you read the paper? I don't know. I don't know if they even put it in the paper out here. But you you go to Cleveland and you read in between the lines of the paper. Uh, uh, a guy hangs himself on a simple DWI charge. Uh, uh, a guy takes his shoestrings and instead of waiting for the bondsman, he rides his shoestrings out. And and the simple charge was an intox charge. Uh, I mean, those those are the things that I understand. You see. I understand that, that, that there is so much hopelessness and so much despair at moments in our life that there does not seem any way that we can continue on. There does not seem any way that I want to pay the price facing people again. I have to go through it again. I understand that completely. But this book about the Holocaust Anonymous says there are, there are those who make the supreme sacrifice rather than fight again. And I'm telling you, that day in that cell, I've had enough. I don't mind taking a beating, but not forever. I don't mind being a loser, but not forever. I don't mind no things, but not forever. And I see no way this was ever going to change for me. This was going to go on forever, because I got an awakening in that cell. And the awakening was this. I'm not in here because I squeezed the trigger. I'm in here because I drank. Drink trouble, drink trouble. Never put the two together. Never seen myself dozens and dozens of times sobering up in the cell. Never seen it. Never put drink trouble together. Never got that. I'm sitting in this cell on this bit and I got the idea. I'm in here because I drank. And I'll tell you what I got. If I'm in here because I drank and just did everything I could in order to stop drinking and was a failure, then if I do one five ten at a whole point, when I get out of here I'm going to drink again and when I drink again I'm going to come back again. And that's how simple it is. Forever. This pain, this despair, this loneliness and this fear is going to be my companion forever. And I did something in that cell in that moment of despair that was, uh, that was more against my nature than suicide, more against my will than taking my own life. And I say it's the toughest thing I've ever done up till this point, and it was surrender. No human power could have relieved my alcoholism in that day, in that cell, in that county jail. I knew that. I was convinced that there was nothing that could be done about my alcoholism. See, Bill Wilson talked about the moment of surrender in the big book of Dr. Hollis Anonymous. He said he was lifted out of his room and put on top of a mountain in the wind of truth or something where the spirit of freedom was blown by. He said he had a spiritual experience. And I'm here today to tell you that that day in that cell, in that moment of total surrender, and it was total, I had a spiritual experience. Oh, I don't mean I was lifted out of that cell. Uh, white come on or nothing you know i'm i mean i mean that that i believe that god works through people i believe he works through you and through the comedian through rick and his wife and everybody that's up there i believe he works through people because that day in that cell in that moment of total surrender when the prayer was the cry of sheer desperation in that moment god sent me a message And the messenger was another convict. I was sitting in that cell ready to grasp at anything I could grasp at because I had run out. 
And two months away from me, there's a guy talking to another guy about a program called Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> and I was close enough to hear the conversation. He's telling this guy, should man, if you ever been busted for DWI or drunk and disorder of public impact, share the program called Alcoholics Anonymous. I was close enough to hear the conversation. The conversation was Alcoholics Anonymous. I got the message. And the messenger was a convict. As a matter of fact, the messenger was a murderer. He just killed a guy. He's ready to be a McNugget in another couple of months. They're going to fry that guy. <laughs> Who's going to believe that guy? <laughs> see, see, from here on in, I tell you, it's a matter of divine intervention. And I don't care if you're in the treatment center, I don't care if you're in this room, I don't care if you're in the living room. It's a matter of divine intervention when the messenger appears. The messenger was a murderer, he was also a convict, and that means he was a liar. And I knew he was a liar while he was a convict. <laughs> I, I mean, I know how to do time. You lie to me for 20 minutes, I'll lie to you for 20 minutes, we'll lay down, take a little nap, we'll come back and start all over again. I mean, that's how you do time. I've done time. I know how to do time. There's no reason in the world for me to believe this guy. Alcoholics Anonymous, that's the first time those words have ever caressed my mind. Alcoholics Anonymous, first time. In the state of divine intervention, I'm telling you, I believe this guy even though he was a liar. Why would I believe this guy? Why? Well, he's got no credentials. 1992, they like to have credentials. They people with credentials. Hell, if Betty Ford would have walked into my cell and said, let me talk to you about AA, I, I'd have bought that. I would have not believe that while she was still sucking wine in 70. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> Send me kitty do caucus, really. Any any girl drinks rub and alcohol is my date. That's that's my date too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come on, we'll stop at the hardware store and get a bottle, huh? Yeah. So so God sends me this one with no credentials, and what I'm trying to tell you is this, the truth is the truth, even if the liar speaks it. The grace that God's given me is to recognize the truth. The guy spoke the truth, and I recognize the truth. The truth is Alcoholics Anonymous. That is the truth. And it comes in the mouth of a liar. Gold is gold. If it's in the garbage can of Fort Knox, it's still gold. It doesn't change. The truth doesn't change. It can stand unsupported. And God gave me the grace to recognize the truth, and the truth is Alcoholics Anonymous. That is the truth. What I do with the truth is really, it's my program now. It's the ball's in my court. What I do with the truth, what you do with the truth is up to you. It's up to you. It was up to me. I didn't know what I had in my hands. I had no idea what was happening to me in my life. All I knew was that Alcoholics Anonymous seemed to be the place to go and the thing to do. That's all I knew. And I had no reason to believe that if it wasn't for the divine intervention of God. The grace that God has given me. Just the grace. Just the grace. He's given to every one of us. I got down to the penitentiary and I sent him a kite, a letter. I said, I want to join Alcoholics Anonymous. He sent me one back and said, not you. See, <laughs> 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 something you must know about my personality. I'm a three-inning ball player. I don't finish anything. I start everything. Finish nothing. 
It's just the way I was. It's just the way I was. I just start stuff and not finish. It gets a little tough. I didn't follow through. I tried something else. Well, if they ain't a woman, that's a brother. Big brothers, big brothers. He beat a woman that joined CC Con for Christ. I mean, we had the whole alphabet. I could have gone anywhere. Anywhere. Here's the grace of God in action. The grace of God is this. It pushes my will. It gives my will a little push. And I want to quit a trade. I keep pushing, trying a little harder. That's the grace for a guy like me. I'm doing things I wouldn't normally do. Instead, I wasn't there long enough. I had to get out of quarantine. When I got out of quarantine, I shot him another letter, a kite. I said, I want to join Akalas Anonymous. He said, can we give you a test? <laughs> test! Test! A lot of people hear tests, they think study. I hear tests, I think cheat. That's just the way it is. I, I, I just am a cheat. I'm a cheat. I just cheat. <laughs> I went in to take the test. The convicts who were giving the test was from Cleveland. I say, hey, how you doing? Hey, man, everything good to see you. Yes, you know, we used to talk about homes and homeboys and that stuff in the penitentiary years and years and years ago. Now the people in the street are trying to talk like the people in the penitentiary. Figure it out. Figure it out. That made no sense. When we saw that little homeboy shuffle stuff, how you doing? Good to see you. How's everything going? All right, good, all right. I said, hey, what's the answer to this one? <laughs> Where are you from? You from the West? Oh, I love it. I hated the West. I love the West side. Oh, you know, so and so. So what's the answer to this one? I was sober 11 years on my anniversary. I was telling the story at a midnight meeting at 2 o'clock in the morning. The guy in the back of the room jumped up and said, That was me! That was me! They gave me the answer! <laughs> he was sober nine months! <laughs> I had 11 years. God used him as my instrument. He didn't believe his own message. Yeah, we got penitentiary and I got drunk and do another four-year bitch. <laughs> Couldn't have got in without him. God used the guy. We don't know when God's going to use us. You don't even know who he's going to use us for. But you can be sure he's going to use us. I got to, uh, I joined Alcoholics Anonymous. I went to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. There's a big difference. If I, if I take this chair right here and put it in a chicken coop and I'm sitting in the chicken coop, ain't nobody going to say, look, there's a chicken. <laughs> well, it'll be a chicken. I got to do something. <laughs> I can put this chair in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. That don't mean I join the A. If I'm going to join the A, I'll do something. The first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous I walked into, I had an attitude problem. I was sitting in the back of the chair. I had a Jimmy Cagney all over my face. I was a tough guy. The guy got up to leave the meeting as I'm leaving the meeting tonight, and he talked about alcoholism. Didn't it all talk about drunkenness? He talked about fear and pain and loneliness, and he talked about tears and self-pity. He talked about all the secrets that I had wrapped up inside my guts. He shared his experiences and his strengths, and he gave me back my hope. I'm telling you, I sat in that chair, 24 years old, 220 pounds, a mean convict, a frightened little child inside, not knowing where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do or even while I'm here. I don't know why I went there. I tell you the truth, it's just the grace of God. It's the grace that God gave me to get here. Simple faith. Simple faith. I mean, 
got to understand something. Now, I, why would I come to you guys if it wasn't for faith? Why? I never been to AA. I don't know nothing about AA. It's a simple faith that God gives me. And if he gives it to me, he gives it to you. God don't play favorites. Well, I'll give you this. He pays his workers well. <laughs> but he don't play favorites. I don't mean a big faith that got me here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a simple faith, a childlike faith. You know what I mean? When my little girl was three years old, she was at her birthday. She was running down the street and she fell down and skinned her knee. She laid out on that sidewalk screaming and crying and fussing. You know how women do. They go on and on and on. <laughs> So I finally went out and I picked that little girl up and I kissed her knee. I just kissed her knee and she stopped crying. She had faith of a child. You know what? She didn't say, wait a minute, you got a license to practice medicine. You got blue cross or hospitalization or something. She just needed somebody who cared. Somebody to take time. Somebody to be interested in her. The faith of a child. She needed the touch of her father. And that's what I needed when I got here, the touch of my father who art in heaven. And I was okay, too. And that's the touch she gave me my first meeting. The guy shared his experiences and his strengths, and he gave me back my hope. I'm telling you, I physically, physically felt the fire, the, the rekindling of the spirit. I felt the flicker of hope in my soul. I felt it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That guy knows. That thought, that guy knows. He knows. He's got the answer. And when the meeting was over, I, 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 I got an answer and I answered it. <laughs> I was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous from my first meeting. I did something. I did something. And when the meeting was over, I knocked the tables down. I knocked the chairs down. And the next meeting, I set the tables up, and I set the chairs down, and I got coffee duty. And it wasn't like these pots over here. The coffee was in a 15-gallon soup pot across the yard at the officer's dining room. And I felt like that kung fu guy. I grabbed that big pot. I got my arms around that pot. I became that pot across the yard. <laughs> I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous then because I'm doing something. And I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous today because I'm doing something. I know how to stay sober. Get busy. And I'm not about to tell you... One gave me my first book. I didn't buy one. <laughs> the library didn't rent them. How did I get my first book? You betcha. You betcha. You, you betcha. Guy walked in the room from the outside, he had that book in his hand, he put the book down the wall, we're talking to some friends, hey! Now I got the book! Got the book! 
I go back to my rock with that book, and I'm excited now. I got the book. This book that they've been talking about. The book, the book, the book. It's in the book. Read the book. It's in the book. The book, the book. I got the book. <laughs> Open up the first page of the book, and the wall was running rapid, and I turned the page, and I forgot what I read. I totally just forgot what I read. Turn the page back, and the guy was in some kind of cemetery, and I turned the page and forgot what I read. I wasn't getting this. Turn the page back, and the grenadier, and he's in the bye-bye pot or something, I turned the page and forgot what I read. What's this book? <laughs> I've thrown my big boy. I just don't make no sense. What are they saying here? What are they talking about? You see, the secret to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is in the jacket. I never read the jacket. At the very bottom of the jacket, and the cover of Alcoholics Anonymous on the jacket, it says this is a textbook. I thought the big book was recreational reading. I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea what they were saying to me in this textbook, because it needs to be studied. And if you don't grab what it says in the textbook, that's why they got sponsors. Usually you could call them tutors. You can call them interpreters. You can call them anything you want to call them. But that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. So if you're a new guy, and all you new guys, it's an amazing thing. The oldest four or five people in AA in this room were women. The youngest four or five were men. You don't last long in California. I can see right now. I better stay in Ohio. <laughs> so if you're sitting in this room or any other room and you ain't got a big book and you ain't got enough money to buy one and ain't nobody gave you one and your pride's so great you can't mooch one, what should you do? What? What? You get a job! Don't you dare steal no big book about the Alex Anonymous. You go down to McDonald's and get a job! What the hell? I heard a guy from the west side of Cleveland said with his little smart self, Oh, steal a book, you can make amends later. From where? The penitentiary? Some beer joint? You get a job. This ain't the penitentiary. You can make money, you can buy one. See, God wants us to believe in him. God will do anything he has to do for us to believe. I'm telling you, this is this is the story of my life. I am no God, I am nothing. I come in here frightened, and I come in here tough guy, and I come in here all of that other stuff that had to go if I was going to stay. It had to go if I was going to stay. He does things for us that just are miracles. He performs miracle after miracle for us that he wants us to believe in him. I mean, you got clubs here, huh? You want to sit in one of these clubs and a drunk runs in? I got a job! I got a job! It's a miracle! I just walked in and God said, go there and I me! I got a job! Two million people a month get hired in the world and alcoholic gets a job. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> and it is! I'm not discounting a miracle. I'm not at all. Get a job. <laughs> I'm talking about the personal miracle that God performs to us. We feel it. We know it. This, this, this is a miracle. Hey, but there are some people, really, who don't get it. 
You know what I mean? Miracle. You're sober, you're worthless, sot. You can't stay sober, now you're sober, and you, and you can't see the miracle. You can't see the miracle. I just, I'm one of those guys. I couldn't get it. I didn't get it. Where did God see? God couldn't Lord. The thing was sought. I got A down good, B down positively. But why? I got to get to God. I got to get to God. The prayer of sheer desperation opens the door. My road to God is paved with alcoholics. It's paved with people who share their personal adventures. It's, it's paved with people who have proved to me that God couldn't would have, if they were sought. You know, many times you hear quoted, uh, and it says, and they tell our stories, what it was like, what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also says, our personal adventures make clear those three pertinent ideas. And this personal adventure I'm giving you today had better make clear those three pertinent ideas. Because I'm the messenger. I ain't the message. I'm just the messenger. I never got it. You know, I didn't get it. I didn't get this power. I didn't quite understand it. it. You know, if I could see it, touch it, and break it, I could believe it. But, but the book says we step from the, from the bridge of reason to the shore of faith. I don't know exactly what that means. But I know for sure that somewhere I had to take a chance. And just going to an AA meeting was a chance, and I had to continue to take chances for a long time. For a long time. You ever hear this story? See, there's all kinds of these stories that convince you there is a God. There's all kinds of stories that convince you God will do things for you. Did you ever hear this about another guy like me? Didn't get it? Riding on a horse off the crucifix and Christians going to throw rocks at him and string him up and stuff. And God knocks him off the horse with a lightning bolt. Big miracle. We would all buy that one. We all look for it too, I think. Big miracle. That's the big one. God said, can we talk now? He got the guy's attention. Can we talk? Can we talk? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Who's going to believe that story? Would you, I don't believe it. If it didn't happen to me, I wouldn't believe it. I go to the parole board. I'm there and here. I go to, they called me names. They said I was a detriment to the decent people of society. They had no alternative but to give me a nickel. Five years. Five years. I was devastated. I was devastated. I, I, I hadn't been to the hole. I, 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 had, I had this program. I, I was doing things with my life I couldn't believe. The parole board said, you got anything to say for yourself? I said, I'm an AA. I'm an AA. I really have nothing else going for me. I'm an AA. He pressed the buzzer on the side of the thing and said, get this guy out of here. See, 1978 didn't carry the weight it carries in 92. It didn't carry it. They have court slips. You got court slips out here now? You know what the court slips are? Them court slips are the positive results of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous who paved the way before you came. That AA can take a piece of garbage and make it a decent, productive member of society. That's what those court slips are. Back in 70, they didn't give you a court slip, they gave you time. 
You don't like the cork slip? A lot of these guys are resentful. I ain't saying it myself. You don't like the cork slip? Slap the judge in the mouth. That's the best advice I can give you. No cork slip. No cork slip. Just give him a good one. Give him a couple of them if you feel like it. I don't care. You won't get no cork slip. That's right. Alcoholics Anonymous is proven that they can take people like me and make them a productive human being, a useful citizen. And that's why you get a cork slip. Because people paved the way for guys like me. <laughs> and at the same time, in the same token, not, not to get off the track, but there are a lot of people in AA who don't like people with cross lips. You don't like them? Quit helping drunk. Because you proved AA works. Of course, you get drunk too. But. Your resentment will carry you through, and you'll be justified. Call the cards and cards and drugs, says uh, the parole board. Parole board, give me a nickel. I was shocked. They went back to my rack. I wanted to cry. Really, if I wasn't such a he-man, I would have cried. I was just devastated. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I was just shocked. I was shocked. And I said my first prayer in AA. You see, there's a second step, and it says, come to believe. We come to believe in the power, and here's how I come to believe, and it's just simple, is that I got in a place where my power wasn't sufficient, wouldn't do no good, and I turned to the power of God. I just took a chance. I just took a chance. I did what you told me to do, God, and I said a prayer. And it was a prayer I opened this meeting that God grant me the serenity. God will do every day. It is five years. I just don't want to drink no more. I just don't want to drink anymore. I'm guilty of everything they said and a whole bunch of stuff they don't even know about. I just don't want to drink anymore. You see, I'm in AA because I don't want to drink anymore. That's the bottom line, too. If you take away that desire and I'm history, everything you've ever taught me, everything I've ever learned is useless information if I drink again. But if all I settle for that, I cheat myself. If I could have made a list that day of what I wanted from God and Alcoholics Anonymous, I'd have cheated myself in the first three months. In the first two years, I'd have been ran out and God was still given. I had no idea what AA has to offer a guy like me. I said that prayer and, 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 and big time miracle. They called me back to the parole board 20 minutes after I got done praying. Caught, see, you just can't do that. It's a miracle maybe you don't understand, but it's just one of those things you just don't go see the board twice in a day, twice in an hour. I mean, they're busy people. There's a lot of us. And here in L.A., you'll have a lot more this month. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so, so, hey, 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 uh, I said this prayer. They called me back to the board. They sat me down in the chair and said, we changed our mind. Uh, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. That, see, that's, I'm, 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 I don't get that. They said, we changed our mind. We're only going to give you three years instead of five. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I, I went back to my rank and I tried to turn that around and try to look that around and try to figure it out. Now, I'll tell you something. Here's this. If I would have done this, the reduction of sentence would make sense. If I would have done this, see, I'm not a buyer. I'm a threatener. I understand your house is going to burn down next week, if I, and I'm so sorry to hear that, if I don't get a reduction in my sentence. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's, that's I'm an intimidator, so to speak. You know what I mean? 
I went back to my rack after the second time to the board and I realized something, that I hadn't done anything to influence the parole board except pray. God wants me to believe in him. He'll knock the guy off the horse, he'll give you a job, and he'll let me know that he hears my prayers. And all I've got to do is ask. All i got to do is ask. God could and would if he would stop. I sought him with a simple prayer, and he gave me a magnificent, magnificent answer. An answer I couldn't deny that was divine. I did another year in that penitentiary, and in that year I got busy. In that year I started a group. I was secretary of a group. I started a discussion. I made 12 step calls against all humiliation and embarrassment. I'm not even going to ask if there are any convicts in this room. I should ask how many, but I won't. But I won't. But you know as well as I do in any society that if you start to do something that's different from the rest of society, you're ostracized. You're taken to the cleaners. You're laughed at and you're made fun of. And I knew this, that I said a prayer and I got an answer and they told me if I wanted to keep it, I had to give it away. And if you want to laugh at that, you go ahead. But I don't want to drink no more and I found a power. I tapped into a power and that's what I'm going to do. A year after I got that five years, really reduced down three big miracle big miracle and you know you hear these stories for centuries and you don't believe them you ever hear this story about the guy that was chained down in prison or an apostle or disciple or something he's laying down there chained up he got a guard on this side a guard on that side both of them are armed an angel comes down and says hey get out of here <laughs> Comes down to the cell, comes down to the prison, tells the guy, get out. The guy says, can't you see the condition I'm in here? <laughs> and the chains fell off, and he stood up, and the guards didn't wake up. He went over to the door, and the door opened up, and he walked out the door, and he went off and helped all kinds of people, wrote all kinds of stuff. Hey, you don't believe that story? You don't believe that story? You don't believe it? I don't believe it either if it didn't happen to me. If it didn't happen to me, God come down and said, hey, get out of here. I said, can't you see the condition I'm in? They brought me back to court. The judge says, you know what, Melody, we changed your mind. We're going to let you go home. I thought it was a trap. <laughs> no, really. Remember I told you you were held captive? I was held captive by fear and pride and resentment and all the things that the book says we have to get rid of I was held captive by those things long after alcoholism was not my problem after drunkenness was not my problem it didn't make sense to me i'm getting my coat on i figured some kind of trick you know the cops they remembered all i did to them and i and i told you why i was there and all of that stuff and they didn't have computers so it was not a computer error i just figured this was they were going to get me out and when i got that first breath of fresh air they were going to come and grab me and laugh and they wanted to see me cry. They wanted to break the spirit. You break the spirit of the man who's broken the man. And that's how simple it is. And this is what was going through my mind as I turned the collar up on my coat and pulled the brim down on my head and dashed out to my car, you know? See, I spent a long time, preteen even, as part of the justice system. And I'll tell you something. Once you join Alcoholics Anonymous, you become part of the mercy system. And God can do things for you that no one else can, that a lawyer can't, that bondsman can't, that money can't, that nothing can. God can do those things. He can open up hearts. He can open up minds. He can close eyes. He can open up ears. He can do anything. He can do anything. 
And he proved to me, just proved to me, that there is a God and he loves me. He's going to do one thing he has to do in order for me to do it. And here's the deal. The deal is this, and this is the deal I made with God. If you keep me sober, I'll tell everybody how I did it. That's the deal I made with God. You, you, you do what you can do that I can't do, and I'll do what I can do that I can do. And that's what I'm doing. That's all I'm doing here is what I can do. And I'm telling you how it happened. God couldn't work. He was sought. And I sought him, and I seek him today, and he can, and he does. And that's the message. And really, what could be simpler than that? What could be simpler than that? I got out of that penitentiary, and I, and I, and I went back home, and I'll tell you, fear just run my life. Fear just run my life. I knew it was a trap. I, a trap. I knew it was, a, it was some kind of a trick. I just knew it. I, I, I sat in my house, and, 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 and the sun went down, and I got hungry, and I sat in my house. I was waiting for him to come to the door, waiting for him to get me, just waiting for him, just sick with it, just sick with it. I waited for somebody to yell lights out, or a bedtime, or chow, or something. I just sat in that chair, just, just, just absolutely terrified in that chair. Jesus, get it over with. I want to be here. Man, I don't want to just be, you know, you know what I'm saying here? It's just insane thinking. Guy that can't stay sober on that stuff. You can't stay sober living with that kind of fear. You just can't. I snuck out of the house at 3 o'clock in the morning, went down to a restaurant with my back against the wall, and I ate the meal with a spoon. I hadn't had a knife and a fork in years. I just ate the meal with a spoon like a dog looking like this, and nobody ate my food. I, I, I went home and sat in that chair, and at and 10 o'clock this Saturday morning, there was pounding on the floor, and I said, man, it's over with. Let me just get back. Let me do the time. Let me, I only got a couple more years. Let me get it over. I opened up the door, and, and you know who's standing at the door? You're standing at the door. You members of Alcoholics Anonymous got the scuttle that I was out in, and you're standing at the door. I said, come on. Come on. We're going to go to a meeting. We're going to go to a meeting. We're going to go to a meeting. I, 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 what are you? Amazing. What I owe you? What I owe you for carrying the message down that penitentiary? What I owe you for catching me uh, uh, on that Saturday morning before whiskey did? What I owe you? What I owe you for the love and the, and the trust and the faith? What do you want me to do? You want me to go? You want me to lead some meetings? I'll lead some meetings. You want me to say some prayers? I'll say some prayers. You want me to help some drunks? I'll help some drunks. You want me? You know, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. What I owe you? What I owe you? Well, I know one thing for sure. I got what I don't deserve. I got what I don't deserve. I don't deserve what I got today. I, I, I got, I, I've been on a cake since I joined Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been taking and sucking this program dry for years. I mean, it don't make no sense. Sit in the meetings for an hour and stay sober for 24. Come on, give me a break. Give me a break. That don't add up. I, I'm still on the take in AA. I'm still on the take and I realized it some years ago. I realized that it don't make sense what I'm doing. So I was the guy who was going to get even with God. I was the guy who wasn't going to be on the take no more. I'll get even. I started sponsoring lots of guys. Six, eight, ten, twelve guys at a time. I bought a school bus for the mentally retarded. For the mentally retarded. Filled it up with drunks. I thought that was appropriate. <laughs> Took them down to the penitentiary. Took down to Grafton Prison. Took them down to Stella Marathon. Out for six and eight and ten meetings a week. I was the guy to do that. And then it dawned on me this. I cannot outdo the grace of God. Everything I put in Alcoholics Anonymous, God gives me back, and he never gives me one for one. He gives me back a hundredfold, even a thousandfold sometimes. Everything I do in the AA, I get back a thousand times. That means the more I do, the more people I help, the more I pray, the more places I go, the more drunks that I help, the more I give. God gives me back three times, five times, a hundred times as much, the more I do, the deeper in what I get. <laughs> I quit trying to get even with God. I just make payments. Just make payments.
I got out of that joint. I got out of that joint and I didn't know what to do, you know. I didn't even know what to do. I want, I, I, I want to go to these meetings. I was so frightened. I was standing at the top of the stairs and I see you ain't going down there. You don't want to shake your hand. I don't want to shake your hand. You better go down. I don't want to go. If I go down, you better go down. If you don't go down, you're going to get drunk and you go down. I said, that's all. Okay, well, when we get drunk, I don't want to get drunk and that's so simple it is. This sponsor helps out on these occasions, but you got to get one. you got to get one. Home groups are marvelous, but you got to get one. I was out about two weeks and, 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 and I was uh, driving around the course. Yeah, I wonder what you people had. I just didn't know what to do. I was so comfortable in the penitentiary. I can only tell you that. I was so comfortable. I was so safe and so secure. I didn't have no gas bill. I didn't have nobody nagging. I didn't have no pressure. I didn't have nothing. I didn't have nothing. It's time to go. It's always time to go when these difficulties come on. It's time to go. Time to go. I was driving down the street thinking to myself, I can't do nothing, I can't make these calls, I can't shake hands, I can't do nothing, and I was dipping around the corner, and I, and I, and I was in a real hurry, I had absolutely nowhere to go, and we were in a hurry to get there, zipped around the corner, and there's an old lady in the middle of the street, almost ran over. I just zigzagged my car, get down around her, and you know, it dawned on me about five houses down the street, her and a young kid, they were, they were carrying a mattress across the street from house to house, you know? And, 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 I, and I almost ran them over, and, and, and I got down about five houses, you know, I said to myself, I can do that. I can carry that mattress. And I slammed the brakes on and threw that car in reverse and jumped out of the car and ran over there and threw the mattress down and they ran away. They thought I was going to beat them up for blocking the street. I picked that big sucker up and I carried that mattress up the stairs and around the bed and man, I had a smile on my face from here to here because I don't know exactly where it is, but somewhere inside me, there's a place that where you do good, you feel good. I don't know where that is, but there's a place where those two things meet, doing good and feeling good, you get one of these smiles on your face and that's just how I felt. Man, I felt great. I told her that, I said, I'm an AA, you know? <laughs> <laughs> She didn't know. She didn't know what she had in her house. You know what I'm saying? You people told me from the very conception of Alcoholics Anonymous that if I wanted to keep it, I had to give it away. From the very beginning, you told me that the greatest thing I can do to serve God and humanity is to help a drunk. You told me that. And I had no other, I had no other reason for good acts. I had no other reason for anything I was doing decent in my life except that. Except those things. Is that the greatest thing I can do to serve God and humanity is to help a drunk. And when that lady said to me, how can I ever thank you? And she reached for her pocketbook. I said, all you got to do is help a drunk, honey. That's all you got to do is to help a drunk. And nothing else. I knew nothing else and that works well. That's a good door to walk through in the beginning. I couldn't work if you were stuck. What are we, what are we looking at? Couple minutes. Are we okay with a couple minutes? Okay, okay, okay. All right. Don't waste my time with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got out of that penitentiary, I got out on the street, and I was out of that. I got out on a Friday and 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 a, and, a, and, a, and a Saturday. They took me to a to a meeting on the West Side, which I already told you I wasn't fine by. And because every time I went to the west side, somebody wanted to beat me up. I have no idea why that always was, but I always said, come on with that. Come on with that. Let's see what we can do. I go to the west side. It's me. I'm on the west side. The guy's reading. He's a congressman or a senator or something. He gets a lawyer. He says, he gets up and he says, I'm an alcoholic. I said, evil liar. 
My guy's a liar. He ain't. He, I, don't, I wouldn't know the alcoholic if he'd hit me with the room. But all I know is that that guy got up and talked about my pain. And that's the difference. That's the leveler. That's the thing that brings us all together. The pain of our suffering and the, and the joy of our recovery. Those two things are the things that keep us alive and alcoholics and others. It has nothing to do with activity. It has nothing to do with that. It's those two things. As I read the big book, fellowship, very important. Meaning, gaps. <laughs> Absolutely. Twelve steps, you can't stay sober without them if you're a alcoholic. You're a alcoholic. I go to a meeting on a Monday and it's a businessman's lunch and, 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 and uh, uh, I'm out of place. Uh, they got suits and sport coats, bell-bottom pants came in while I was out. Uh, I, I, I had a shirt they gave me from the penitentiary, a pair of pants I had to wrap around because I lost so much weight and, 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 and my alligator shoes, my gangster shoes with the points and the suede. And I, and I walk into this meeting and, and, I, and I froze. I, there were 200 businessmen in that meeting. I mean, real business, not monkey business, real, real businessmen in that meeting. And I absolutely froze and I felt the fear start in me. And, and the funny thing about fear is I don't have enough humility nor enough faith to say, you know, I'm feeling a little frightened. I, I, I have a problem. I, I could be talking about this. What I do is I go into Jimmy Cagney. That's just what I do. I get a little uh, and stop. <laughs> I sit in my chair, go sit in the back of the room, and I dare you to come and talk to me. See, I just dare you to come and talk to me. You know what I mean? Really. And I think the biggest, meanest, baddest guys in the room coming through the door today are the most frightened. And I only say that from my own experience. And I sat in that chair like a frightened little child looking like a mean, mean man. And the guy walked up to me who was about this tall. He grabbed my hand and said, How you doing? How you doing? Don't go to Jay, don't go I said, Get the, get away. And I said it then. <laughs> I had a filthy mouth. Because I had a filthy mind. If you want to know what's in your mind, listen to what comes out of your mouth. guy didn't hear me. He didn't hear me tell him to get, to, to get away from me. He just kept pumping my hand. How long are you sober? I, I, I didn't know how long. I didn't know you were supposed to keep track. Didn't dawn on me. Didn't I say a while? Oh, he said, what's your home group? I said, I just got out of the walls, man. Oh, he said, you're from the walls group. Oh, that's just great. <laughs> See, I believe that God closed his eyes so he couldn't see how I was dressed. I believe God closed his ears so he couldn't hear what I was saying, and he just welcomed me. You see, you come out with me, you come out with me, he said, I'll introduce you to everybody in the whole room, and I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> I'm a bushel for the free one. <laughs> if you're buying, I'm going. You know what I mean? And everybody shook my hand, and everybody welcomed me. Easy does it. See, coming back first thing first. One day at a time, they're shooting all of this stuff at me, and I kind of got the idea this was a scam. Kind of got first meeting, really. The first one was an anniversary. This is my first real meeting of AA. I figured it's some kind of scam, like the pyramid group. You know what I mean? You're going to shake my hand and you want to buy this. I had my hand on my wallet, so you couldn't get my wallet. Now, that's a joke. I've been making six cents an hour for the past two years. Right, you follow me? I got back from that, I got back from that meeting and I sat in my chair in my living room and I got out of my chair and looked at me to see what in the world it was you were going to scan me for. 
What could you take from me? I didn't have, what did you see that I didn't know? What did, could you possibly want from me? Now, there's a lot of new people in this room, and I'm going to tell you, I think so for long enough to find out what the scam is. I know what they want from you. They want to take my pain. They want to take my tears. They want to take my loneliness. That's what they want from me. And they want to slap one of them great big smiles on my chisel so that I can walk around and say, easy, does it first thing first, and he's coming back and all that other crap. That's what they want from me. They want my day. You betcha. <laughs> I'd, like I'd like to tell you a little bit about today's 21 years so what you will lose. You know what I'm saying, it's so hard, it's so hard to say, here's what I was, and here's what happened, and listen to this. Because you don't believe it, even I don't believe it. All right, all right, all right. One, one story, one story. I was six months, uh, really, just one story. I got a job offer, I got here, can you believe this stuff, you can't believe this stuff. I get a job offer, they offer me a job making almost two and a half times the salary I make this week. I mean big money, big money, really big money. But I'll never lead another conference. Chances are I'll never lead another meeting, speak, speak at a meeting, speak at a conference of this. I sit down with my kids and I said, here's the deal. We're going to have more money than we can ever spend at one time. We're going to have all the all meat every day and, and, and clothes and all the stuff. And well, what do you think? And I told them the option is that I, I you know, I could never do this. And, and my oldest, my son says, well, why don't you talk to your sponsor? Why don't you talk to the mayor? <laughs> And, and my middle daughter, my middle daughter says, says, and she's 14 with long hair and legs up to her neck and, <laughs> and I ain't bringing her to California and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> she said, <laughs> go for the gold, you know. <laughs> and my 12 year old, you know, my 12 year old, my, my little problem child, you know, my 12 year old, my little, my baby. She said, uh, well, what are you going to do about all of those drugs that you can... All right, you're going to believe it anyhow. So it doesn't really matter, but as you know, I'm here today. So I didn't take the job, and it's just that simple. There was a little girl that went to Europe, and while she was in Europe, she visited all the cathedrals, and as she was going through the cathedrals, she asked the guy who the people were on the stained glass windows of those cathedrals, and the guy told her that those were the saints. And when she got home and everybody asked that little girl what she'd seen while she was in Europe, she says, I've seen the saints. And when they asked her who the saints were in her innocence, this little girl said, why the saints are the ones that let the light in. And I say this to you in my innocence, and man, I got it. I got it. New people in this room and Alcoholics Anonymous throughout, and particularly at the Newburgh Group, let the light in for me. All that I have and all that I am and all that I have ever hoped to be, I got from you people 21 years, 10 months, and three days ago. Thank you and God bless you.
Jimmy. Now he's currently living in Prescott. So my name is Milt Warren. I'm an alcoholic. Can we start with a prayer? God, open our minds, open our hearts, and open our souls so that we might see what you have for us today and we might pass that on to others. Amen. Uh, we've got to have a couple of ground rules. It's got to be ground rules. First thing is, uh, I, 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 I ain't no expert. I ain't to be quoted. I, uh, we're going to go through this together. It's a dumb guy approach, simple directions. That's all we're going to try to stay with is the directions to a simple program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I, uh, uh, if, I, if I miss a direction, I'm open to be told. <laughs> You're not going to hurt my feelings by saying, hey, you missed that. Or, hey, uh, that ain't what it says. I'm always open to that. Don't, this is not authority here, okay? If you're going to quote anything, quote the big book, because we are going to stay right with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous to the best that we can. Uh, there are a thousand and one ways to stay sober. A thousand and one ways. We're just going to use this way. This way right here. And we're going to use the book as we... We're going to use the book as we go along. So if you're going to come to a big book study, bringing a big book is like a good idea. But since we're not really doing a big book study, we're just doing this 12 steps, bringing a big book is a good idea. We got any questions? Questions are a good thing. We're going to be asked 10,000 times before the next two days are over, are there any questions? Because if you walk out of here without knowing what's going on, uh, what good is that? What good is that? Any questions from the beginning? Any questions? Now, we're only questions about the topic in front of us. Okay? The questions are ground rules. That's where we're at. Questions. Any questions on the ground rules? Any? What? No questions. Okay. Now, uh, let's open up our book to page uh, 58. Now, if I, was, if I was your sponsor, if I was, if you want to use that term, if I was working with you, if you were to come to me, if you were to come to me, what did you say your name was? Morgan, if Morgan was to come to me and say, would you be my sponsor? Would you help me? <laughs> the fat chance. Uh, <laughs> the, first thing, the first thing I would say to Morgan is, here, Morgan, here's the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Read the first 103 pages. The directions for the 12 steps are in the first 103 pages. I advise everybody in this room to read the big book thoroughly and over and many times. I advise you to read the first 164 pages because it's priceless and the stories afterwards, it's absolutely priceless. But the directions for the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous are in the first 103. And any necessary reading. Does that make sense? Okay. So what's the difference to the wives if you ain't worked the steps? Because to the wives is to who? That's all. 
What's the difference if you read to the employers if you haven't worked the steps? Because who is to the employer written to? That's it. <laughs> we're catching on quick here, ain't we? We're, we're doing good. <laughs> so the directions for I would say to Morgan, Morgan, read the first hundred and three pages. Morgan's response would be fetch chance. Well, why, why, why would you have me do that? That's a normal question. What the, what, what, how, what? Let's go to page 96. My job as a sponsor, my job as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous is work the steps. Page 96, you with me? Second paragraph down. Suppose, you with me? Got it? Suppose now you're making your second visit to Morgan, right? What was my first directions to Morgan? You got that? Read 100 pages, Morgan. Morgan said, I can do that. My second visit to Morgan now, right? He called me the next day and said, okay, I did 103 pages. Because you're a bright guy, right? You're a bright guy. You're not a, uh, right? Huh? Fat chance, did Making our second visit to Morgan, he has read this volume. What does that mean? That's all. That's right. He's read it. <laughs> he's read it because that's what I asked him to do. And in my second visit, according to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, he says he has read this volume and what? Now, that doesn't say anything at all about meetings, does it? That doesn't say anything at all about trash detail, garbage cans, coffee cups, don't have no relationship. That doesn't say anything about 90 meetings in 90 days. What does it say? Well, what if Morgan is only sober a week? Can he be prepared to go through the 12 steps? Hell yeah! And he should be prepared to go through the 12 steps if he's sober a week. He should be. <laughs> The program of recovery, the 12 steps of the program of recovery. Having had the experience myself, experience of what? Wait a minute, let me see if I got this right. If I worked the 12 steps in my first 28 days, of some, how, how long is it here, 10 days? If I've worked the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous in 10 days, that means I can sponsor Morgan? Having had the experience myself, having had the experience of what? Well, then I went through him in 10 days. He's sober three days. He wants to go through him. Can I direct him through these 12 steps? You feel better. Believe it. I can give Morgan what? Oh, man, read the book. Practical advice. That's exactly right. Much practical advice about the 12 steps. Let him know that I am available if he wishes to make a decision. What step is that? Simple as that. And to tell his story. What step is that? It's as simple as that. That my responsibility to Morgan is to take him and give him much practical advice about what? 12 steps. 
and to be available to do a third step and a fifth step with them because that's where you need somebody. And in the third step, they say, maybe you don't want nobody. But know that I'm available, but by no means, but by no, but, 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 do not, I should not insist if he prefers to consult someone else. Now do you see why I have done what I have done? Now do you see your job as a sponsor? Do you see the directions I'm still going to give Morgan? Make sense? Nothing to do with me, is it? Just following directions, ain't it? Yes, no, maybe. Any questions? You brought a big book. He's ready. All right. Let's go back to 58. Now, Morgan has read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes? Okay. Second paragraph down. Our discourse, our discourse. Two word, two word, one word. Our stories are disclosed in a general way. What we used to be like, what happened to what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have, who is making that decision? You are. Or the person you're sponsoring. Morgan, have you read this book? Have you decided you want what we have? Whose decision is it? So when should Morgan start working the steps? When he has what? When he has made the decision that he wants what we have. Does that make sense? If he's sober three days and he wants what we have, should I tell him, oh, no, no, you got to wait till I say you're ready. How do we know that? We just read it. We just read it. If you have decided you want what we have, now here's the trick question. How is he going to know what we have? He's read the pages. Morgan, you are sharp. I take everything back I said about you. He's sharp as a tack. He's read the pages. He knows exactly what we have. And that's the only real way to know what we have. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, are you ready to go to any lengths to get it? Whose decision is it? It's your decision. It's the guy you're sponsoring's decision. It's nothing more difficult than that. That's as simple as it is. You want what we got? Yeah. How do you know what we got? Well, I seen so-and-so in a meeting. <laughs> That's good, but this is what we got. This is what we got. And if you've decided you want what we have and you're ready to go to any lengths to get it, and how does he know what lengths they are? He's read the book. He has read the book. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. What's going to be entailed. Man, I hate buying a car and then three months later find out that the prices just went up. Wait a minute, you didn't tell me that when I bought the, the car. Oh, I should have read the contract. Huh? No surprises. It's got to be his decision. Then if he's decided he wants what we have to ready to go to any lengths to get it, what is he going to do? How do we know that? Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't say go to 90 meeting in 90 days. It doesn't say get a sponsor. It doesn't say keep your mouth shut. I'll do your thinking for you. It doesn't say no sex for the first year. It doesn't say 90 meetings in 90 days. What does it say? It says then you are ready to take certain steps, Morgan. Any questions? <laughs> you can't have any, can you? Because what have we done? 
read the book. That's all we've done is just read the directions. I haven't even given you an opinion yet. <laughs> and if at the end of the sessions I have not given you opinion at all, I have fulfilled my task. I have done what I'm supposed to do. Give you facts so that everybody in this room is armed with facts. No smoke, no mirrors, no opinions. Okay? Okay. So it's his decision. He's decided what he wants. His decision. He's ready to go to any place to get it. Then it tells him what he's supposed to do. Take certain steps. Go to 59. <coughs> Third paragraph down. 59. What does it say? Here are the steps we took. So at the bottom of 58, it says, ready to take certain steps. They alleviate all misnomers and any questions about what steps do they mean. They tell you, here are the steps. Oh, that's, that's that. <laughs> what steps do you think they mean? These steps. That's exactly right. These steps. These steps. Turn to page, page 60. Now please read everything in between. I, 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 we don't have time to read, it's not a big book study. All we're doing is following the directions. There's gonna be very few times I will take you outside of the specific directions. Very few times. Second paragraph, third paragraph down. Our description, you with me? Yeah. <laughs> Watch how important it is to read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous if you're going to work the steps out of the big book. If you want to do a thousand other ways, you do not need this book or pieces of it or parts of it. But if you're going to follow the one way, the directions of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, then it's very important that you read it. It says our descriptions of the alcoholic. What chapter is that in? First four chapters. The chapter to the agnostic. Where's that at? First four chapters. It's very important that you read this. It's very important that you read this. And our per what? What? I didn't hear you. Were you talking to me? Oh. Oh, it's a woman thing. <laughs> Let me get a mirror. So here we go. What? It's just, it doesn't. <laughs> If we, if we don't have fun doing this, it's going to get boring, eh? <laughs> it's going to be boring, and I, I might be something, but boring I'm not. <laughs> I might be honest, might not be honest, brave, brave, clean, loyal, reverent, cheerful, or anything else, but I'm funny. funny. Our description of the alcoholic, first four chapters. Chapter to the agnostic, first four chapters. Our personal adventures before and after. And Bill Wilson is the very first thing that comes out of the book, Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, is a personal adventure. Makes clear three pertinent ideas. Three pertinent ideas. A, that we're alcoholic cannot manage your own life. B, that probably no human power could ever relieve your alcoholism. C, that God could and would if he were sought. I love California. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> being convinced being convinced of what A, B, and C if you are convinced of A, B, and C what step are you on? whoa 
They call this pertinent ideas. Are you telling me that these two steps are ideas? Yep. Yep. How long does it take you to have an idea? I am not saying that his sponsor is wrong. I'm saying that there are a thousand and one ways to do it. We're just going to do it this way. I have absolutely no argument with the way anybody else does it. I'm not here to say they're wrong, and I'm not here to say they're right. I'm here to say this is what we're going to do here. So that no matter what you think of me, you're going to be armed with facts. And no one can blow smoke up here. Uh, no one can. <laughs> what? No one can, uh, I don't know how to express that without saying it. No one can hoodwink you. <laughs> pull, pull the wool over your eyes anymore. Okay, three pertinent ideas. They're just ideas. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you need to read the first four chapters to be convinced of the three pertinent ideas? No. Oh, you'll have those on your own experience. Let's do the first three. Let's do the three pertinent ideas. A, that we're alcoholic, cannot manage our own lives. A, that we're alcoholic, could not manage our own lives. Alcoholic, alcoholic. Let's go to XXVI. Doctor's opinion. XXVI. XXVI. XX, don't lose the page on 60. XXVI. Because this is going to be the premise for everything that we're going to do. This is going to be the foundation for everything we're going to do. You with me on XXVI, first paragraph? Yes. We believe, and it's so suggested a few years ago, that the action of the alcoholic... What? Did I give the wrong number? XXVI? No, I did right. We believe, and it's so suggested a few years ago... Now, this is... Who's telling us this? The doctor. The doctor. The doctor. This is a doctor's opinion. Doctor's opinion. Oh, for the non-believers. What kind of, <laughs> what kind of doctor? Podiatrist? Optometrist delivers babies. Why? What? Gynecologist works on your feet. What? What? Oh, let's go to page X X the I I I X X I I I. Here's this doctor's credentials, okay? This is the doctor. He's a well-known doctor. Well, so is Kevorkian, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, would I go to Kevorkian for my alcoholic problem? But it says here's credentials. He's a chief physician. Now, that gives him some credence, don't it? at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in, now this means he's a specialist, alcoholic and drug addiction. This guy I would trust. I wouldn't want him to deliver my old lady's baby, but I would trust him with what he says about what? Alcohol. Alcoholism and drugs. You got you with me on this? So here's it. We're now we're on XXVI. So this guy's got credentials. You know he's not a, he's not some kind of charlatan, not some kind of snake water salesman. This is a big time shoot a dime guy with big time shoot a dime credentials. He says this. We believe, and it's so suggested a few years ago, that the action of the chronic on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. Now pay real close attention that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class. 
and never, never occurs in the average temperate drinker. If you have ever had, ever once, the phenomenon of craving, what are you? According to who? Doctor's opinion. And he's a big time shoot a dime guy. Yes, no, maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see what we're trying to say here? We're not giving you no kind of take this on faith. We're not doing faith yet. We will get to faith later on. Right now we're dealing with facts. This doctor says if you've ever had the phenomenon of craving, you are an alcoholic. Let's go back to 60. That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Alcoholic. All you got to do is identify just once the phenomenon of craving that, then you fit into what category? Alcoholic. If you can see the phenomenon of craving in your life, it's ollie ollie in free from there on in. You do not have to, do not have to guess. From here on in, yes, I am one of them. <laughs> yeah, okay, alcoholic. Hey, what triggers a phenomenon of craving? Just the first drink. Nothing else triggers a phenomenon of drink. Nothing else. The first drink, the drink of alcohol, alcohol and alcohol and alcohol is the only thing that triggers a phenomenon of craving. Nothing else triggers a phenomenon of craving. If I take a drink of alcohol right now, I'm sober 26 years. Nine months and 24 days. If I take a drink of alcohol right now, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to develop the phenomenon of craving. Why? Because I am an alcoholic. And this doctor says that's what happens to alcoholics when they drink. Does that make sense to you? Yes. I think so. I think so. I think so. I have a sickness and illness and malady. Something wrong. An allergy. An allergy. That when I drink alcohol, I respond. My response to alcohol is the phenomenon of craving. That's my response to alcohol. Anybody here got any allergies? What are you allergic to? Grass. Any other allergies? Any other allergies? What happens when you take penicillin? She gets a rash. What happens when you, you get around grass? Get a rash. Any other allergies? Yeah. Bee stings. What happens when you get around bee stings? Get very sick and die. What are you allergic to? Cats. What happens when you get around cats? The what? Why is eyes watering? You break out in tears. Sounds like a San Diego freeway. <laughs> she ever drive down the freeway? I've never seen more women cry and drive at the same time. I, I call it the highway of tears. I want to stop the car, baby. What's the matter? <laughs> okay, okay. You have an allergy to penicillin. What is the allergic reaction? You have an allergy to bee stings. What is your allergic reaction? Sick and die. You have an allergy to grass. What's your allergic reaction? You all have alcoholism. What's your allergic reaction? Phenomenon craving. Don't forget that. Very important. A, that you're alcoholic and could not manage your own life. How? 
then can you prove to yourself if you have any doubt that you are an alcoholic? Who said that? Take a drink and you will respond differently than the average temperate drinker. Now I ask you this. Do you really need to take a drink to find that out, or have you taken enough drinks? Yeah. <laughs> hey, any questions so far? Could not manage your own lives. This can be a little bit difficult if we were sitting somewhere in Shaker Heights or... or Youngstown, no, not there, or, or somewhere, San Francisco, but look around where you're at. Have you been managing well? Okay, we're not going to front of that. Okay, so you know you cannot safely take a drink of alcohol because you developed a phenomenon of craving, and that means you are an alcoholic. You look around at your surroundings, and that means you could not manage your own life well because you ain't doing so hot. That's as simple as it is. B, that probably no human power could have relieved your alcoholism. Ooh. <laughs> Gonna take the test. Gonna take the test. They're broken. Who cares? We're not going back. Fifth of whiskey. Fifth of whiskey. 30 shots of whiskey. Shoo, shoo, shoo. 30 shots. How many's in the fifth? That's right. I got some good drinkers in here. I like men who are knowledgeable. <laughs> 30 shots of whiskey. We're going to take the test to find out we're alcoholic. We're going to take one shot of whiskey a day. Just one shot of whiskey a day for the next month. It's worth the test, ain't it, to find out if you are or are you not. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to take one today and none for the next seven days and then seven all at once. That doesn't mean we're going to drink all 30 now and then not have none for the next 29 days. No, 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 no. We're going to take a shot of whiskey, boom, before dinner. Like, uh, an appetizer. Uh, like a cocktail, like an appetizer. Do you think you could do that? Just one, just one. Why don't you think you can do that? Uh, that, that's book shit. What? Our history. Our history has told us we cannot do that. And if you read the first four chapters, the first four chapters explain in great detail why you cannot do that. 30 shots of whiskey can't do it. My past has proven I can't do it. It's Saturday night. Let's take the test. Here's what the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says. Start, start drinking and quit abruptly. The hell's that mean? <laughs> We're going to be done here at 4. Take your shower. Shave. Put on that stuff. Put on all that stuff that you wear. Put on that gold you've been hiding. Slide into them blue jeans. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> And go down to wherever it is you drink. And be there by 8 o'clock. Be there by 8 o'clock. Show up at 8 o'clock. Are you ready? Huh? Man, that stuff on. That gold on. 
and start drinking. Start drinking. Drink as much as you want. Drink whatever you want. Do whatever you want to do. Shoot the juice. Shoot the pool. Shoot pool. Shuffle puck pool. Play the jukebox. Dance. Do whatever you want. But you're going to have one thought in your mind. I'm going to leave at 11 o'clock and show up for the 11, a quarter to 11 and show up for the 11 o'clock noose. You're going to start drinking and quit abruptly. This is the test. I'm going to start drinking and quit abruptly. I'm going to be home by 11 o'clock. Can you do that? Can you do that? How do you know that? Our past has proven that we cannot do that. Do you agree? No problem at all. I got 30 shots of whiskey sitting in front of me. The second pertinent idea is that no human power could have relieved my alcoholism. I already know that if I take a drink of alcohol, what am I going to get? I'm a phenomenon of craving simply because I'm alcoholic. 30 shots of whiskey in front of me. No human power. Remember this. 30 shots of whiskey. In comes my ma. She just hit the lottery. 15 million dollars. And she's going to dump her baby boy. Is going to split it right down the middle with me. There's 4 million dollars in two big hefty bags. Here, here honey. Can I now safely, not, not do you want to, can I now safely take the first drink without developing the phenomenon of craving? How do you know that? Our past has taught us that this is true. You with me? 30 shots of whiskey, here I am, 30 shots of whiskey, my brother walks in with a, the keys to a brand spanking new Lincoln Continental four-door convertible and a tank full, of mu tank full of gas. Tank full of gas. And he says, here, here, brother. It's all yours. Free, clear, and paid for. Can I now safely take the first drink of alcohol without developing the phenomenon craving? How do you know that? Your past has proven to you that you cannot safely take the first drink without developing that phenomenon of craving. Here comes Lonnie Anderson. <laughs> She's free. She's free now, you know. Yeah. And she likes men with no hair. We know this. We know this. <laughs> and Lonnie says, sit right here on my lap, big boy. And I'll do anything you want, anytime you want, and I will never leave your side. Can I now safely take the first drink of alcohol and not develop the phenomenon of craving? How do you know that? Your past has proven that. What? What could I give you? Could your mama give you? Could your boss give you? Could your brother give you? Could anybody give you that would enable you to safely take the first drink? Nothing. Then there is no human power. Then there is no human power on the face. And intelligently, you're sitting here and saying, that's true. That's true. Yes, I agree. There is nothing on the face of the earth that we could give you that would allow you to safely take the first drink. Yes, no? Yes. Watch this. Sitting here, 
at the dumb guy approach Saturday afternoon at 1.35, you know that to be a fact. And I swear to God, a month from now, when you got a minimum wage job, you got that first check, you got a 92 Dodge with ball head tires and a broad with no teeth. <laughs> you forget everything we just talked about and believe now. I'm okay now. I got $110 and a tank of gas and a piece of paper that says I graduated from 10 day. Questions? I know you are. Let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you very simply. Is there anybody here ever took a shot of whiskey a day in their life? At least one, of course you have. Does that mean you're going to get rid of or not get rid of HIV or you're never going to get it? No. No. So if we want to play hypothetical, we can play until we drink again. If we want to do with facts, then we're going to deal with these facts. And I'll tell you, if you work with these steps, and I mean this, the chances of you getting HIV or VIH or any of that other stuff is really, really reduced. I don't mean to be a wise guy, but we can play hypothetical all day long. Let's deal with facts. Facts. Any questions about B? Are you convinced about B? If you're convinced of A, then I'll call it because I'm manager of life. B, they probably know you were probably going to really wrong. See, they got couldn't what if he were sought. There are two ways. There are two ways that you can become convinced of C. Two of the most popular ways. The first one is to read the first four chapters of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that is the attempt, as we read earlier, to convince you of that. And the second way is, ask any alcoholic who's ever worked the steps what kind of power he has. And he will tell you that God could, and God would, and God has, and I've sought him. Any questions on C? Now we're getting into faith now, aren't we? Now we're getting into faith. And that's going to be the key to our recovery. Faith and facts. Faith and facts. Being convinced we're now at step three. And that means if you are convinced of these three pertinent ideas, you are now at step three. Now, we're going to do some reading here, which is something I really don't like to do. But the fact of the matter is there's such a massive, grave misinterpretation about step three. And I unfortunately have perpetuated that by not doing this reading, and it's very important that we do do this reading, so let's read it. Because at the very last line of that paragraph, it says this, just what do we mean by that, and just what do we do? So they're going to explain in great detail just what do we mean. Somehow it got to be like, God wants me to do this, and what is God's will for me? And I had a, was talking to a friend of mine today. She says, I don't know what God's will is for me. I want this guy, and he got her, and Nancy, and I got, and I don't know what God's will is for me. Just what do we mean by that? Just what do we do? Here's what it says. The first requirement. 
going into the third step. The third step is nothing more than an idea. Again, once again, an idea, a change of thinking. We are going to have an idea. The first requirement is that being convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. That's what you're asking you to do. Just look at your life or anybody else's life around you and realize that being a self-willed person has not been such a successful idea. Got it? That's all the requirement is. It says on that basis, now we're going to read, that was a direction we gave you. That was a direction going into third step. Let's read because I think it's very important you know exactly what we're talking about. It says that on that basis we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. So if you ever get in a collision, ever get in a collision with something or somebody, know that you are running your life on self-propulsion. Know that you are doing not what God wants you to do, but what you want you to do. Just know that from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Do not take my word for it. Read the book. Here's what it says. This is us. Very important. Because it says, what, what do we mean by that? Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show. Do you ever catch yourself trying to dictate to someone what they should do? Even though your motives are good, you are becoming a director. Our job is to be an actor. We're forever trying to arrange things in peoples and players. And if they would only do what we tell them to do, bing, everything would be fine. Everybody would be happy in... in including me, isn't it strange that the advice we have for so many of our friends also includes a reward for us? <laughs> you think I don't pay attention? <laughs> Life would be wonderful. What usually happens what usually happens is the show doesn't cut off, it begins to treat life, he begins to feel that life doesn't treat him right, and decides to exert himself. Now remember, we're talking about a third step and God's will. Our job is not to exert ourselves and force anybody to do anything. Do you understand that? They're giving you that, just what do we mean? We're on the what do we mean part. Just what do we mean? He becomes angry, indignant, and self-pitying. Understand that if you become angry with someone or something, indignant with someone or something, or self-pitying, you are running your life. It has little to do with the power of God in the sun rays coming down and touching your soul and all that other crap. This is action on our part. Intelligent action. Hardly any faith involved here, is there? Yet. Yeah. Is, is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things that we want, and does not his reaction make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can out of the show? Is he not, in his best moment, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? And if you can look at your life and see that we do this, whether it's with your kids, your husband, your wife, your neighbors, your friends, there are some people can walk in and cause everybody to want to shake hands and hug and say, I'm sorry. And there's some people who want to walk in a room and everybody wants a fist fight. <laughs> the choice is yours. 
But know this, that when you start with this arguing, when you start with this demanding, we are no longer doing what God wants us to do. We're doing what we want to do. That's all we're reading here. So when it comes to turning our will and life over to the care of God, it's that I am not going to guide you, direct you, force you, argue with you. I will no longer push my, myself upon anybody here. Does that make sense to you? That's why working these steps are your decision, not mine. My job is to make the information available. Here's what it says. It says this. 62. Selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of your trouble. Now this is at step three. The trouble that shuts you off from God is selfishness and self-centeredness. That's the root of all your troubles and all your problems. It says driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. And we just read that when they see us being selfish, they want to try to snatch something from the show too. So we're going to stop being this producer of confusion. We're going to stop being that person. And when we see this selfishness, self-centeredness, fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, we must know that this is not God's will for us. This is causing more harm than good. More selfishness than service. Simple, isn't it? Can you understand what not to do to do God's will? Quit pushing people around. Quit trying to get shit. Quit trying to take shit. Quit trying to be the boss. Here's what it says. It says that sometimes they hurt us. Now this is where we're going into, we're warming, we're warming into the fourth step now. We're warming into it. Sometimes they hurt us, and that's going to be our first question in the fourth step. <laughs> Seemingly without provocation. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. I don't know why they're so mad. I don't know why she ain't called me. I don't know why they ain't talking to me. I don't know why they're, I don't know why they're picking on me. I don't know why. Seemingly we put ourselves in a position. But we invariably find, and this is our inventory, that some of the time in the past this we have made decisions based on selfless, later places in a position we hurt, to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. And this is in still step three, is that we want you to understand that when you push people around, when you're selfish, when you're self-centered, you put yourself in a position to be hurt. And when you put yourself in that position, you're no longer serving God, you're serving who? Yourself. yourself. It's as simple as that. This is a lot of reading, a lot more reading than I care to do. But I can't believe how misunderstood this step is. And we're going to spend a lot of time doing it. Here's what it says. It says, uh, they arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. This is, now listen to this. Listen to this. Above everything, this is only the third step. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness or it kills us. Why does it kill us? Listen to this. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. 
and there often seems no way entirely to get rid of self without his help. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. Because if we shut off God with selfish and self-centeredness, we are subject to drink, and when we drink for an alcoholic, what do we do? We die. Oh, not quickly. That's the bad part about it. If we die quickly, 10 day would be a three day. <laughs> we die slowly, very slowly. We didn't get here one day. We worked our way down here, and that's a death in itself. Any questions? Very difficult. This is, I really, it's the first time I've ever done this, but I see the need for it. Is that, what does this mean? And what we just described to you, what our running our life means, with what do we do about it? Well, now comes that. Now comes that. So when you catch yourself doing all of these things, selfish or selfish, running your own life, pushing people around, trying to get something from them, trying to make a range and get everything done. Anybody here ever been in the penitentiary? What a dumb question. <laughs> Recently, last five years, ten years, they have phones in the penitentiary now. It's true. It's true. I know you don't believe that. They got phones. And you listen to these guys on the phone. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to call them up and I want you to and put the money in the bank. And I don't want you that I am sitting in the penitentiary telling this woman who never broke a, a law in her life what to do about running her life. <laughs> Is there something wrong with that picture? <laughs> and we're the producers of confusion rather than harmony. Does that make sense to you now? Yes. Okay. This is the how and the why of it. Now, now remember that line because we're, we're documenting everything. Just what do we mean by this? Now, here's just what do we do. Here's the just what do we do. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we, you and I, have to quit playing God. And how do we play God? We just described that, didn't we? We spent 15 minutes of valuable time describing how we play God. Arranging, manipulating, selfish, self-centered, jealousy, suspicion, bitterness, whatever terms we used here. That's how we play God. And now we say we're willing to stop doing that. You got it? It didn't work. Why should we quit playing God? Because it didn't work. Next after in his drama life, God was going to be our director. What's our job? Actor. What's his job? That means actors don't direct. We've got to quit giving orders. You got that? That's what they're saying here. It said he's going to be the principal, we're going to be his agent. He's going to tell us what to do, we're going to carry out the directions. And we already know what not to do. To find out what to do, we're going to work the rest of these steps. <laughs> or, or hopefully we're going to work the rest of these steps. But what not to do, we already know, don't we? We read that. We already know what not to do. you got to do this. I don't have to do that. Well, you better do Now, I'm only saying this for your own good. Really? I'm going to get your hand off from you. <laughs> Dear the Father, we are as children. And being such obedient children as we have been in the past, 
we'll have a tough time with that one, won't we? It's a simple idea and the concept of this key, the, this concept, this concept of God is going to be God, we're going to be the actor. He's going to be the father, we're going to be the children. He's going to be the principal, we're going to be the agent. That concept is the new and triumphant art through which we will pass to freedom. And that's why we spent so much time on this today. Because if you do not have that concept, you have not built this arch. If you do not have this concept, you are not going through to freedom. And any dangle on the face of the earth can tell you what a keystone is. What's the keystone in the arch? It holds the whole thing together. The whole thing is held together by that keystone. Your whole program is held together by step three. Your whole program is held together by God is God and I ain't. Your whole program, your whole 12 steps, your whole life, your whole key to freedom is held together by that I am going to do what God wants me to do instead of uh, my doing what I want. Selfishness and self-centeredness has to go. Any questions? Any questions? Pretty simple now, I hope. Like I said, I never did this before, but I, 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 I see that I've been neglecting that area. Any questions? Any questions? This is the new and triumphant arch, the keystone for what we're going through. For when we took such position, all sorts of remarkable things happened. Now let's go down 63 to the second paragraph. With those thoughts in mind, the, the, the directions are really, here's the directions. The first requirement is being convinced that any life run on itself will can hardly be a success. The second requirement is that we must quit playing God. That's the directions. What we read was equally important only because there's such a misconception on step three that we missed the keystone of freedom. And I don't want that to happen to anybody here. I'd rather have you stand up and say, you can kiss my ass, I ain't going to work these steps, than have you stand up and say, I don't understand. You might both get drunk, but one is your decision, and the other is my responsibility. Any questions? We are now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, squiggly writing. Whenever you see squiggly writing inside the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that means, eh, important, eh, important. If you go to the discussion group and the topic is, God, as you understand them, how many times have you heard people say, well, I don't understand them? The big book says, you better. It says, come up with an understanding. I don't care how dumb, how simple, how stupid, how ignorant, how naive, how childish. I don't care what term you want to use. The important thing is that you have a God as you understand him. I go to work on Monday. Go to work on Monday. Go to work on Monday. Open up my lunchbox. Bang. Bologna sandwiches. Go to work on Tuesday. Open up my lunchbox. Bang. Bologna sandwiches. Go to work on Wednesday. Open up my lunchbox. Bang. Bologna sandwiches. And I say, I hate bologna sandwiches. The dago sitting next to me says, hey, why don't you have your old lady pack you something else? And I say, I pack my own lunch. <laughs> I, I ain't married. <laughs> what we're saying here is we don't care what goes into your God. It's not our business. It's your business. What is important is that you have a God. I don't care what goes into your lunch. What is important is that you have a lunch. It doesn't matter what your conception or understanding of God is. Universal power, intelligent force, creator, I don't even care. 
because it's your conception of God, God, as you understand Him. And we're going to pray a prayer. A prayer. Now understand this, the third step is nothing more than an idea. An idea conveyed in a prayer, expressed in a prayer. What's the idea of step three? No! Yes! I am going to quit playing God. He's going to be the principal. I'm going to be the agent. He's going to be the father. I'm going to be a rotten brat kid. He's going... That's the idea that we're going to now express in a prayer. You've got to have that or you miss the keystone. I'm going to quit playing God. Here's the prayer, which is just an expression of the idea. God, I am going to offer myself to thee. We have an understanding, and we understand that this, we being the boss, ain't been such a good idea. To build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Do whatever you want to do with me. Build whatever you want to be with me. It's not my job, no, not my business. I will do whatever it is you want me to do. We already know for a fact what we ain't going to do, right? That's the big thing. We got a parameter here. We know what we ain't going to do. We ain't going to be selfish. We ain't going to be self-seeking. We ain't going to try to boss the world. We ain't going to call the shots. We ain't going to push nobody around. We ain't going to arrange to play a scenery ballet. We already know that. What are we going to do? The rest of the steps. <laughs> That's the law. That's the law. Relieve me. Take it with Build with me as thou wilt. We're going to ask God to relieve me of the bondage of self so that we can be happy, joyous, and free. Huh? Huh? No! No! So that we can better do His will. That's exactly right! We can better do His will. That's our prayer. That's our change of thinking. I'm going to quit doing it my way. I want to do it His way. And if I, He relieves me of the bondage of self, which is this problem, one of my problems, then I can better do what He wants me to do because I'm no longer doing what I want to do. Make sense? You with me? Take away my difficulties. Oh, oh, oh. Sears and Robux has 10,247 stores in the continental United States. They cannot take away your difficulties. They can fix your lawnmower, but they cannot take away your difficulties. God can, and we're going to ask Him to do this. Take away my difficulties so that now I can be happy, joyous, and free, right? No! no. Guys are too sharp for me. So that I can bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, of thy way of life. And we're making a deal with God. If you take away my difficulties, I will be a living testimony to, 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 what'd you say, Nicholas? I'm going to be a living testimony to Morgan that God did this for me. See, God could and would, if he were sought, he's going to know that God did this for me. That's my deal in step three in it that I am going to serve this power of God. Any questions? Any questions? Yes? Do I see it as a deal? Let me see this. If you take away my difficulties, I will be, uh, uh, that victory over them will bear witness that I would help. You take away my difficulties, I will help people. Does that sound like a deal? Sound like a deal to me? If you give me two bucks, I'll give you a big whopper. Sounds like a deal to me.
don't give them two bucks, do I have a right to expect a whopper? Well, what's the deal? Same thing here. If I don't quit being selfish and self-centered and help other people, do I expect to be happy, joyous, and free, stay sober, and live in love, and all that other stuff? If I do, I've got unreasonable expectations. I'm once again being selfish and self-centered, and I'm mom's favorite. You've got to like me, too. Oh, all women like me because I'm cute. God don't think you're cute. Now, here's what it says. It says, uh, thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And here's what we want to do. We want to do as we'll always, and we already know what we're not going to do, right? Very important, the keystone to, to the archway of freedom. We're not going to be selfish. We're not going to be self-centered. We're not going to manage, direct, or give orders. Got it? Any questions before we go on? Because we're getting heavy now. Now this is probably the heaviest part of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Heavy. Capital H. Okay. Here's the next line. We thought well. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready. And they're not telling you to rush into this like a fool. They're not telling you to listen to somebody else. They're telling you to what? Think well. They're telling you to think it over. Are you ready to do this? Are you ready to let God run your life? If you're not, please, get, the, get out of the chair, go down the street, and run your own life the way you want to run it. And if you can stay sober and then be happy in your heart, God bless you. I ain't got no problem with that. But if you can't, then you better think well. Because here's the solution out of this book. It says, think well. Make sure that you are ready, ready, before taking this step. The last, abandon yourself utterly to God. What do we know for sure you're not supposed to do at this point? Selfish, self-centered, bossy, giving orders, making demands, manipulating people. That we know for sure, yes? What's to come after that will only be revealed in step 10 and 11. It will only be revealed in step 10 and 11. What's my job as a sponsor? Help you out. Offer to do three and five. Here's what it says. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person. I, who have had the experience of the steps, have offered to do this with Morgan. This big book says somebody should, you should do this with somebody, such as your wife, your best friend, or your spiritual advisor. Show me sponsor. Best, I like that better. I like that better. I like that better. I like that better, best friend. But the choice is yours. It is better to meet God alone than with someone who might misunderstand. But as Morgan's sponsor, I have already offered to do this for him and with him. But it's his choice whether he does it with me or not. Yes? No? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. The wording, of course, was optional. Voicing it made effect. Sometimes a great one was felt. Okay, now we're done with step three. Watch this. How long has it done us? How long has it done us? How long? What a pull up. How long has it taken us? How long has it taken us to get to step three? An hour and five minutes. We spent five minutes giving directions. 
five minutes given guidelines, rules at a rules at a clubhouse. I ain't God. I'm a drunk. That's the rules of the clubhouse. Don't quote me. I make mistakes. I'm just a human being. I'm working. That's the rules. Five minutes. It took us one hour. Can you believe that? How long are you sober? If you are convinced of three pertinent ideas, and if you are convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success, and if you are convinced that you no longer want to play God, the question I have for you is this. Can you now do the third step? Is there anybody here wants to do the third step? Let's do it. I know more, no more understanding people than the people in.